Well, today we're going to wrap up our our series, our January sermon series that we've called Kingdom Builders. And we started early in the month, and the message that I shared was, whose side are you on? And we talked about the fact that there are two kingdoms and that neutrality is not an option. And uh, in the second week, I talked about the keys to the kingdom. And a couple of things that really stood out there was that the kingdom of God is unshakable, but it's also countercultural. Uh, there's a, there's a, a big difference in the direction of the kingdom of God in our culture in general. And then last week, we talked about build battle. We, we discovered that the kingdom people are not perfect people, but when God's favor come, comes into play, that it changes everything. Thing, we will go through opposition and everybody has a role in this kingdom of God. And so now from this point, what I want you to really understand is that this is not really just a series of messages, but this is so much more than that. We've really been laying the groundwork as a foundation for kingdom builders moving forward. And I want you to know that kingdom builders is not a new program. It's not a program uh, at all, but it's a new way of looking at our impact as a church, and it's a way that we can assess where we are, we can set goals, and, and, and look at the direction that we want to go in as a church here in our community. You'll notice in your bulletin, it says that Kingdom Builders is a phrase that we're going to use when we talk about important aspects of our mission and our vision here at Silver Creek, it's a way that we can describe it, we can promote it, we can cast vision for it, uh, we can fund it uh, as, as our impact uh, here in Marquette County. And our objective is to encourage and inspire every one of you that considers Silver Creek your home church to work together to build the kingdom of God in greater ways. And specifically, this morning, what I would like to do is to share with you four different aspects to our ministry that really make up kingdom builders, okay? I want you to understand where I'm coming from when I say the word kingdom builders. The first thing is this, global missions. When we talk about kingdom builders, we talk about Global missions. A few weeks ago, Peter Aikwright was here. Peter and his wife Wilma serve in Tunisia, and we support Peter and Wilma. And I know that a number of you, in fact, I had someone tell me that it was the best uh, missions message they had ever heard. So I, I know that, that that message touched your life. We support them as they work in that 99% Muslim area of the world. And, and that is what we do. And, and they're not alone, but we have supported them for the last uh, number of years. But they're, again, they're not alone. There's others like Brandon and Rachel Powell. I think that you might even have a picture. Do we have that picture up there of the Powells? The Powell family, we've just uh, let them know that we're bringing them on to support them. They are missionaries that are going to the, the nation of Thailand. And so we we're, want you to know that we're growing as we talk about global missions this is something that it's not static. It shouldn't just stay the same. Although we support some and have supported them for many years, we want to grow and we want to support others as well. 
I think of Diane de los Santos. Diane is somebody that is really connected with the heart of Silver Creek Church and and the ministry that she is the director of is called, uh, is called City on a Hill, Milwaukee. And those of you that, that don't know Diane and you don't know anything about City on a Hill, Diane was a very successful uh, vice president in a major hospital organization in the Milwaukee area. And that hospital uh, organization that she worked for, they gave our fellowship uh, that that hospital area there down uh, in downtown Milwaukee, they gave it to our district as a gift. Now, how many of you know that some gifts can be the gift that literally bankrupts you? Okay, that's what this almost was. But they also gave Diane and her six-figure salary for one year to our fellowship so that she could help them uh, get through the transition. Well, God moved in this woman's heart. She was a believer. In fact, she attended the church that my wife and I were on staff at in the suburbs of Milwaukee at Oak Creek. That was her church, the same church we were at. And she loved Jesus, and she decided at the end of that year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step away from working for the hospital, and I'm going to go into the ministry, and I'm going to lead this ministry of City on a Hill. And God has done tremendous things through her. We've taken teams down there to work with the inner city neighborhood people there that, uh, that she ministers to. God is calling us to continue to support people like that and ministries like that. How about Compassion International, or excuse me, Compassion Sunday, rather, where we have done things like partnered with Convoy of Hope or Samaritan's Purse or City on a Hill, where we've taken those offerings to send out to give to others who are in need. Maybe there was an earthquake. Maybe there was some other natural disaster, and our giving helps to relieve that effort. Last week, we were privileged to have the Gideons here. They hand out Bibles all over the world. We support them. We can give to them. That is something that we do on an ongoing basis. And when we use the words kingdom builders, we're talking about supporting missions all around the world. Whether it's buying Bibles or supporting missionaries in Tunisia, or those that God calls to Thailand, that's what we're doing. We are supporting missions around the globe. Next is local ministries. We have ministries like the Care Clinic. We have a, a great deal of connection with the Care Clinic right here in our own community. We work together with them. Sometimes groups go down and they will help sort and help organize. Sometimes there are, uh, there are th they'll have little, little baby showers. I don't mean little in the sense that they're, they're small or not that they're well attended, but they'll have, because babies are little, little baby showers. That's what I mean. Uh, are you guys alive? Are you, how can you just let that go? Um, they, they have baby showers to, to give to those moms. We support that ministry in this community where we value life. And they are ministering to moms who are in crisis and their unborn children. How about our own? Let's give it up for our Chi Alpha ministry. Come on. 
How many of you went to the retreat this last weekend? Raise your hand, you guys. All right. They had like like 11 or 12 or 13 of them went down uh, to their SALT conference and they came back and, and God has spoken into their lives. And, and I, I want you to know uh, that Mike and Nikki and Anna and Evan and Colin, we feel that God has called us to support this ministry. Why? Because it's right here in our own community and God raised you up in your lives from right here among us growing up right here in Marquette County in our churches. And that is part of kingdom builders. When we talk about kingdom builders, that's what we mean. Thirdly is strategic partnerships. Lead Missions International, Madison. Madison just got back from teaching in Egypt, from, uh, from doing ministry in Cameroon over uh, a, a lengthy period of time here over the holidays. God has called us to partner with him and to see God continue to move in that part of the world. God has given Madison access to government officials, not only in one country, but in multiple countries. And God has opened doors there for him in Africa that, that literally no one else has. And we want to partner with that on an ongoing basis. I think of the ministry of New Threads of Hope and Feeding America. Boy, God has opened doors for us to be to partner with them, to bring food and clothing into our community, to minister to other people. I think of Be the Tool. I have people call me. I have people talk to me and they say, Kevin, I just want to make sure, is Be The Tool going to continue? And I say, yes, we are going to continue to partner with Be The Tool, and we are going to continue to minister to people by making repairs in their homes. I, I, this summer, we had, we had something that we'd never done before. We called it Serve Week, and it was an opportunity to get involved in these things that are strategic partnerships within our community to serve the needs of others in the name of Jesus. And then finally, there's community outreach. I think of Silver Creek Thrift. Silver Creek Thrift is the, is the to me, it's the most incredible community outreach that God has ever given us as a church. I want you to know that when we came into this building 13 years ago, I can remember thinking and even praying, God, I want to see this building used for your kingdom and your glory and ministry to our community seven days a week from door to door. Now that's a pretty long hallway. But I want you to know that ministry happens in this building seven days a week. You see, because Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, that thrift store is in operation, and it is ministering, <clears throat> excuse me, to our community. This coming week, we're going to help move a, a well-known couple of, of brothers in this community. They're called the Marietti Brothers. And you know what? These brothers that are over 70 years old, they have such a relationship with that thrift store and with its staff, that they have said, hey, would you be able to, we have, we have to move to Snowberry. 
and we, we need help moving to Snowberry. And so we're getting a group of people to help move them to Snowberry. And if you can help, we're going to be doing it on Wednesday of this week. And so that, that's a good plug. I didn't say it for that reason, but it's a good plug. Why? Because we're ministering to the needs of people. Our block party, literally hundreds and hundreds and now thousands and thousands of children have received backpacks and school supplies and clothing for school. Why? Because we're loving them in the name of Jesus through that ministry. Operation Winterwear, hundreds and hundreds of winter coats. Aren't you glad you got a winter coat today? Imagine if you did not have a winter coat. We don't want anyone in our community to be without a winter coat. Think of how important that is. Hundreds, even thousands have received that already. How about our Activate Leadership Conference? Gene McLean and our missions team, several years ago, we were sitting in, in Gene's living room and we were having a meeting and, and I don't even remember how we got there, but all of a sudden it, we, we came to this point of we wanted to, to be uh, doing something leadership oriented. And, and the question was raised, could we do a leadership type event? And we said, you know what, we think that we could do it. We think God is calling us to do that. And so now for the last several years, we've been having this Activate Leadership Conference or event. And I want you to know that in about a month from now, we're going to be having our next leadership event. And this workshop is literally for everyone. It is not a conference where you're an expert and you come here another expert who's just a better expert than you. This is where every single person can come and learn to be a better leader. Because I am going to guarantee you that every one of you in this room has been created to be a leader. And in fact, you already are a leader. You just don't realize it. You've been created that way. God is calling us as a church to be kingdom builders. And the list that I've given you, it's not complete, it's not exhaustive, it's simply a starting point. I remember before we ever came to this building that the Holy Spirit, as I was praying and journaling about the transition of coming to this building, God laid the words on my heart, good neighbor. Now, that may not seem much to you, but I knew that it was from God. And so everything that we began to do, we began to do with the intent and the purpose to be good neighbors in our community. And that took a form of taking the church to the community as our vision over the last 13 years. And I want you to know that time and time again, people from our community, and I think amazingly, even those that are in leadership here in Harvey in our township, have said to me, you at Silver Creek are such good neighbors. We wish everyone understood what you understand and they lived out life the way that you do because if that were the case, our community would be a much better place for it. God has called us. God has called us. And so you might say, well, what do I need to do 
personally to, in order to be a better kingdom builder here at Silver Creek Church. And I want to give you quickly four things that you need to do. Number one, very simple, buy into the vision. Buy into the vision. Jesus' personal mission was to seek and to save that which was lost. In Mark 16, verse 15, he told them, go into, and he tells all of us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. In Acts, he said that we would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever quoted Philippians 4.13 to yourself or to a friend where, where Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? Raise your hand. Be honest. Have you ever quoted that to yourself or to say, man, I can do all things through, you know, and, and it's, it may be because you're going through a tough time or something like that. But let me, I just want to, to read a little bit further, okay, than that, because I want you to get this. Verse 14, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. This is Paul writing to the Philippians. Moreover, you as Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except only you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Even early on, when the, after the Philippians had accepted Christ and come to know Christ, those believers were the only ones who supported Paul on his missionary journey to Macedonia. They were already coming on and, and buying into God's vision to take the gospel to all the world. They were already buying into that. Then in Acts chapter 16, Paul has this vision of a man from Macedonia who is asking Paul to come and help them. So Paul concludes, this is the Holy Spirit. So he goes there and he preaches the gospel to the Macedonians. And the Macedonian believers, they literally beg Paul to allow them to assist him in ministry by supporting him financially even though they are in extreme poverty when we give to kingdom builders whether we have been blessed with a lot or whether we've been blessed with a little we are literally propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ at home and around the world we are continuing that vision of taking the gospel to the world and I believe that it is our responsibility we need to accept that responsibility that's been left by the by Jesus to his church extending to the year 2019 we are called to be kingdom builders Number two, we've got to plant the seed. In the Gospels, Jesus tells the parable of the farmer who went out to sow his seed. The farmer scatters the seed. What that means is he takes the seed in his hand and he scatters the seed on the ground. He releases it from his hand. Some of it fell on the path. Some of it fell on the rocky soil, some fell on the thorns, some fell on good soil. The increase was anywhere from 30, 60, or 100 fold. And the truth is that we can't always identify good soil. 
We can't always. God's going to call us to release seed, and we're not going to know whether or not it's good soil that that we're sowing that seed on. The overall harvest, we're not sure how it will turn out. But I want you to know that success, success in planting seed really depends heavily on the preparation of the soil. And guess whose responsibility the preparation is? It's the Holy Spirit. It's not me. It's not you. We are not. We're just responsible to reach into that pouch, to grab a handful of seed, and to scatter it. And it's the job of the Holy Spirit to prepare the soil in order to be able to receive it. You see, we can have a tendency to be afraid. We think to ourselves, when God calls us to scatter and sow the seed, we reach in and we grab a handful of seed and we think, okay, I'm going to scatter it, but you know what? I don't know. This looks kind of like bad soil. Maybe I won't scatter my seed there. We can look at at someone like... um, like uh, the, the um, from Tunisia, I'm sorry, I just went blank. Um, Acrites, thank you. We can look at the Acrites and we can say, well, it's one, there, there's 99% Muslim in Tunisia. Maybe we, sh- maybe we shouldn't scatter our, the seed there. There's, there's, just, there's nobody there that's really Christian, so let's hold that seed back. God calls us to scatter seed. He doesn't call us to be the one that's prepared the ground. He calls us to scatter that seed. We can have a tendency to be afraid because there's no guarantee that once that seed releases our, from our hand that it will have the effect that we want it to have. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4, Solomon says this, Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. What does that mean? Have you ever planted grass seed in your yard on a windy day? That is like just taking money and just chucking it. You take that handful of seed. I'm not not the monkey grinder one. You know, that's not me. I got to get my hands on it and I got to throw it out there. And if it's windy, you throw that seed out and, and you just literally watch it go to the neighbor's. It just leaves, right? The farmer that watches the wind will not plant his seed. Why? He's he's afraid. The one that watches the cloud, he's never going to reap. In the fall, rain is a big hindrance to bringing in the harvest. And sometimes the farmers work in conditions that are not optimal, but they do it. Why? Because if they don't, they're never going to get a harvest. And so we are called to plant that seed. We can't focus on the conditions. What happens if we're afraid to plant the seed of the gospel? It means there will be no harvest. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 36, How foolish what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. The only way that that seed of the gospel is going to germinate is if it gets into the ground and it dies. The farmer's seed has to hit the ground in order for it to spring to life. It must die first. 
Jesus died for you and I. And when the gospel is sown into the soil of the lives of people in this world, it is going to come to rest. And only then can it germinate and come to life. Solomon again in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 1, he said, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. When the people of Israel lived in Egypt, the banks of the Nile would overflow and there would be water everywhere. All of their farm fields would be covered in water. What do we do in the spring of the year? They would take the seed and literally throw it on the surface of the water. And then as spring went on, those floodwaters would recede and those seeds would germinate and they would bring forth a full harvest. When we read those words, bread in the scripture often refers to resources. It refers to finances. When we read uh, about water, it refers to the poor or those that don't have enough. In other words, Solomon was saying to us, we should give liberally out of our abundance so that the poor, which are, are uh, and that... So that the poor will literally receive uh, what and not be lost. And that what we give in that seed, as we give it out, it's not going to be lost. It is going to return. God's blessing returns to us. When we, we need to release that resource. We need to release that seed from our hands in order for a harvest to occur. If we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly, but if we sow generously, we will reap generously. For us to be effective kingdom builders, we need to release the resource, release the seed. Number three, we need to serve in the trenches. Jesus gave up everything to serve in the trenches of our humanity. From Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes this, beginning at verse 6, Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus completely demonstrated his willingness to serve by giving himself as a ransom for you and I. Jesus himself in Luke twenty-two thirty-seven, he said, but I am among you as one who serves. Let me ask you this question, how can you and I refuse to serve others when we receive such an incredible gift of salvation which has come to us as the result of Jesus giving himself for us? My prayer is that we will say, yes, Lord, I want to serve. Ephesians 6, 7, Paul said, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Maxwell says that it's called the 80-20 principle, and he said that 20% of, of people will do 80% of the, the work in any organization. Imagine in the life of the church if it wasn't 20% of those who are accomplishing 80%. But imagine that everybody in the church, everybody in the body of Christ said, you know what, I want to be a kingdom builder. Imagine how that would affect our community. 
There's a common excuse that I hear. People say I really don't have any talents that are gonna, I can use to serve other people. Peter says in 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We need to follow Jesus down into the trenches and become a servant just as he was. We need to use the strategic focus of serving others as kingdom builders. And I close with number four. We need to lead to the finish. If you're a follower of Christ, the greatest leader in history dwells inside of you. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9, John the Revelator says this, The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Let me ask you a question. Do you see any evidence of our world being led astray by Satan? Do you see any example of it? Let me reflect just on the past few months. Here in our own state of Michigan in November, marijuana, the use of recreational use of marijuana was legalized here in our state. I, I, was, I, I was amazed at the turnout for, for voting. Here at Silver Creek, we're a, a precinct location, so they kept saying, oh, just record turnout. Record turnout. I thought, wow, our people in Michigan are really getting into, to, man, they just, they, they're excited about voting this year. And then somebody said, well, they are talking about legalizing marijuana. And I, and, and it, I sort of was deflated a little bit by that. In May of last year, a federal judge in Virginia ruled in favor of a transgender student who wanted to use the bathroom that was not her original sex. How about this week, the governor of New York signing into law a bill that allows non-doctors to perform abortions in the third and final trimester all the way up until birth. And probably the most significant part of it is that not protecting that life if the abortion is unsuccessful and they are born, their life is not protected and can still be taken. Friends, the enemy is attacking. The enemy is leading our world astray. The world needs men and women who will follow Christ to acknowledge that they are leaders. And I believe that God is calling us to be a church in our community who is known to lead, not politically. They are known to lead our nation, not astray, but in the ways of God. Our community is known to spread the gospel, uh, that our community would know us as a, as a church that is willing to lead others in the gospel at home and around the world. I believe that we must create a culture where every person in the church is a leader in their own right, no matter what that is. That leadership is not for the few, but for the many. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you're a leader. Amen? 
If you're a single dad, you're a leader. If you're a teacher, if you're a teacher, you're a leader. If you're a contractor, you're a leader. If you're an administrative assistant, you're a leader. If you're a doctor, you're a leader. If you're a student, you're a leader. We're all leaders. God has called us to be leaders. Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. God has given you an ability to lead others, even if it's only one person. If you have a friend, you are a leader because you can lead that person. You have influence in their life. The enemy is leading our world astray. And our leadership, friends, our leader, your leadership, my leadership is desperately needed in our world today. Did you hear what I said? My leadership, your leadership is desperately needed in the world today. So, here's our strategic focus. I want to encourage you to buy into the vision. And, and I'm not, when I say vision, we're just trying to take our vision from the, from the Word of God. So it's not like we're coming up with some brand new vision, okay? We're just, we're just trying to do what Jesus has told us to do. But let's buy into the vision. Let's buy into it. And then let's, let's, let's agree that we're going to plant the seed. We're going to make it possible to continue to support the Akrites to continue to support the Powells and others around the world, that we're going to release that resource from ourselves here in Marquette County. We're going to release that to those who literally go out around the world. We're going to continue to partner with, with other ministries. We're going to continue to support those local uh, ministries. We're going to continue to do outreach in our own community. But we are going to plant the seed. We're going to release that into the world. And we're going to serve in the trenches. And then we're going to lead to the finish. Friends, God has strategically placed his church in the world today. That's us. That is us. You may think, well, I don't feel very strategic. I don't feel like I'm anything special. You know what? That is the voice of the enemy wanting to convince you that you can't make a difference. But if you will join together with others, you can make an impact here in this county, and around the world. Are you with me? God is calling us as a church to rise up and to lead in this world in 2019 because the gospel needs to go around the world. Amen? Come on, stand with me. Come on, stand with me up here in the hub and in the sanctuary. I'm, I'm backwards today. I am all over the place. Father, I pray today for your people. I pray, Lord, 
for strategic focus to be upon us. I pray, O God, that we would receive the call that you have placed on us as believers to lead in our world today. And maybe the only person that we're leading is our little brother. But who knows what you called our little brother to be. Father, I pray that we would determine that we will release the seed around the world. That we will release the seed of the gospel within our community. That we will release the seed of the gospel, Lord, at every opportunity that we can. And we will serve in the trenches and we will lead to the finish when Jesus cracks through that sky and he says it's time to come home. Father, that's what we're going to do. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.